Welcome to Didn't See It, Don't Need To. Didn't see it, don't need to. The podcast that asks the question, how much shit can you give to a movie that you've never seen? And in this case, one of us has seen the movie. We're doing part two of of a sort of quiz thing where there's a movie that one of us would see. And I, in this case, this was the French dispatch and I saw it. And uh, last time we did um, Dune. And so anyway, I saw the French dispatch and I, I made up some questions for Joshua, a little quiz. Uh, and he, uh, last time we did this, he did Dune and he asked me some questions and I thought it was a really enjoyable episode, even though I, didn't uh, yeah did I listen to it again I think I did listen to it again just for fun so uh I think that we're gonna do it again with the French Dispatch do you have any do you have anything to say before we get started hello to our listeners I'm excited I do want to say I think this is a really good test of our premise right have us both not having seen it I like that it works but this is also a really good test where one of us has seen it but they're not really allowed to offer their opinions. They just ask questions and the other person has, to, I, I think the true test to be honest would be if you and I were to, we would go to a party, right? And we would find a person, a couple of people who'd seen the movie mm. and neither of us had seen it. And you would, you know, possibly secretly, possibly illegally click on your recording device. And then we would have a conversation about the movie with those people without ever admitting that we had not seen the movie and see if we could carry it off. So maybe someday that can be our goal. But for now, I'm really, I think I'm really excited with this sort of new experimental diversion. It's not going to be permanent, but I like that we're trying it out. It's fun. Yeah. And we may return to this and we may come up with other great ways of exploring not seeing movies. We're free birds, man. We, who knows? So um, welcome and um, uh, welcome to my quiz. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> Okay. All right. You know, I'm just going to let, I'm just going to let her rip. Um, number one, Joshua, on a scale from one to 10, how bored do you think I was watching this movie? Ah, I see this quiz is not about the movie, but about Sarah Miller. No, no. Category. It's fine. I'm ready to go for it. I would love, it's like, what if those, there are a lot of game shows like in the 70s or something where people had to answer questions for their partner, like the newlywed game and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when they're like, what does Sarah call uh, her morning beverage? And right, you're like, right, right. The, the sippy nippy or whatever it is. So this is kind of like that. I think on a scale of one to 10, you were... And I want to say this out of admiration for your ability to engage with things that I would struggle to be interested and so in. We, and 10 is super bored, right? right. One is I'm, gonna, I'm going to say eight. Yes, that is a really good, that is a very good answer. Eight. Yeah, that is a factual answer. Let's just we are winning on. the newlywed game and I feel happy about that. Let's just move on to the next question because you, that is the factual answer to that question. Number two, another question about who? About me. What do you think I was thinking about during this movie? And there may have been a little hint before we started ta- before we started recording earlier. I'm not sure if there was a hint that I caught it, but that's me always missing the hint. I think you were thinking about 
given that you're right now recording this podcast from Western Europe, Central Western Europe, I think if you were thinking about its accuracy to uh, France. That is so generous of you. No, I was thinking about when I was going to be able to get a drink. Well, of course, that itself is very accurate to France. So I think in some sense, we're both right. Right. Two for two. Okay. Question number three. In line to see this movie, two guys cut in front of me. I do not speak French, and I was seeing this movie in France. What do you think happened next? I think that you fumed silently and wondered if you could work this into our podcast. No, I got their attention and I went like this. Uh, hey, uh, like that, like I gestured behind me and, and, they, and they went back. They went back behind me and my niece was horrified. Uh, I say kudos to you, but also kudos to your niece. I think I would have been I'm, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I've, oh, I can tell you a fact though. It's, it's, yeah. it's important. I don't speak French very well. Oh, I thought you spoke French fluently. Okay. Uh, I, I, I would never say that about myself. It's, I'm, I'm certainly, I, I improved over the years uh, living there. Um, but I discovered it gets much better when I'm incredibly angry. So when I was living in France, it was late in the part of my life where I was a music critic and I went off to an Eminem concert at the mm -hmm. Parc Bercy mm -hmm. uh, in, in Paris. And as happens actually quite regularly, my free passes to get in were not waiting for me despite the fact that the Eminem's management had promised me they would be. And I went ballistic in French. And honestly, I do not know if I was really nailing it. I felt like I was nailing it, but it may have just been like a hysterically angry, very tall, super Anglo guy yelling at them in French. And they were like, okay, okay, you can go in. And, and I went. Um, that is a heartwarming story of victory that I am impressed by because I would have just started like screaming English as I have in France. Not, not this time, but I'm sure I have before because I find traveling incredibly stressful sometimes. And I, it's really, really difficult to not be able to speak a language and, uh, not be able to do things even, and also to know that you're like to just know that you're already like an asshole, but you you're like getting really upset anyway. So I'm, gl I'm glad you got into the concert. It was a terrible concert, by the way, but let's move on. Okay. Number four. Uh, I saw this movie at seven 30 on a Thursday night in the third arrondissement, which doesn't mean much to me, but you know, uh, do you think the general mood there was, and the general sort of, you know, scene was one, no one was there, two, a few people were there, one third full, three, healthy crowd, but, you know, pretty chill, or four, utter chaos? So I'm going to ask just to, for a clarifying question, if I can, you say you saw it in the third, was this on the Boulevard Beaumarchais over toward the Bastille? It was at the MK2 Boberg uh, on Rue Ram, Ram, Rambute. I, I, I know it well. I, so I did, for those of you uh, enjoying or not enjoying this podcast at home, I did once live in P Paris. I was fortunate enough to live in Paris. Um, if you want to know how it turns out, you can go to Twitter and search for the hashtag 
how I quit spin, a long story about how, about living in France and then not living in France. Um, and I know that theater because it's right next to the uh, famous modern art museum. I used to go there. I go to movies if I can as, as much as possible. Um, it's a relatively small theater. I'm going to say, I'm going to say chaos. I'm going with chaos because I just like chaos. It was so chaotic and it was exactly the kind of chaos that makes me incredibly anxious. It was like, and that's one of the reasons I wasn't letting these people cut because I did not want to be involved in the chaos that went on. They oversold the seats or somebody or people snuck in or something. I don't know. And so there were like seven people standing in the aisle trying to get into like four seats and it went on to the point where the people that were sitting down were kind of laughing with each other, not like laughing at the people, but just the fact that you thought it would end and then there would be back in, you know, there'd be people back in the middle of the usher kind of conferring and pointing at seats. And there, you know, there were like these three seats scattered around the entire theater. And my, and my niece and I actually sat right, we, we walked in and I saw these two seats in the very back row. And I, right as the, the door, and I said, we are sitting here. We are not fucking around with like, looking, we're not going to go up front. We're not going to look for something better. We are sitting down and we made the right move. The thing I like about movies in France, and I think this is true in lots of places, but it's, I learned about it in France, right? Is that in the listings, they tell you both at what time the previews and advertisements that they show for the movie start and what time the movie itself starts, which always allowed me to make sure I got there in a timely fashion. I like to sit in the front row, I'll be honest with you. Oh, so, really? Uh, often that's pretty easy because people don't, don't right. take, yeah, I have to be near the screen. I feel like if I can look at a small, I can stay at home and watch it, watch it, watch TV. Right. Uh, so when I go to movies, I want it to be big and in my face. So I sit in the front row and you can, they give you all the times you show up at France and they, and they, you show up early, you have to watch. If, if you want to see the previews, which I like, of course, you see them and then you have to sit through 15 minutes of commercials that are awful. And then the movie starts. I like to sit in like the fourth row. I mean, I like that feeling, but the first row is a little much for me. It depends on the theater, but I just want to note that after four questions, okay, I botched the third one about what you did in line uh, clearly, but aside from that, I'm crushing this quiz. You're crushing it. And you know, now we're going to, we're gonna move away from um, me to the to the movie. We are gonna at the last three sevenths of this quiz are not about me, and so that you know if that makes you sad, I'm sorry, but that's just what's happening. Okay, I'm gonna try and live with it. Yeah, I'll, I'll try. I'll see if I can make my way. Okay, just trip, pull yourself together, and and this might be a good time for the audience also to pull themselves together. Okay, question number five. Uh, the actors Guillermo del Toro, Lea Seydoux, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering that, uh, Francis McDormand, and Timothy Chalamet, Timothy Chalamet, appear in this movie, and there are there are two heterosexual couplings made of those four people. Can you what what do you think the matchup is? Okay, that's a complicated question because you're asking me to hold several different uh, concepts or people or ideas or figures in my mind. I can repeat them. No, no, that I feel like that makes it. That's that's. I, I want to. I want to see if I can work with that. Okay, okay. I think the couples are Timothy Chalamet. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, the Chalamet kid, 
uh, and Francis McDormand, because I think there's some good comedy there. And then Benicio del Toro and Lea Seydoux, because they're both actually very charismatic. That's my guess. You are correct. You're really crushing it. Uh, and and you're crushing it while dealing with the disappointment of moving on to the part of the quiz that's not about me. It's just like, it's just impressive. Well, if it helps at all, I'm thinking about you the whole time. <laughs> so, um, yes, uh, Guillermo del Toro and uh, plays a prisoner and Lea Seydoux plays his, uh, his the, the guard in the jail and then they, they have sex because it's, it's um, Wes Anderson and, um, you know, it's just whimsical. It's just, it's cute. And, um, and then Francis McDormand plays a writer who has sex with Timothée Chalamet, who is the head of a student movement, uh, which is sort of like a cartoonish version of like the 68 uprisings. Uh, and, is then uh, crushed, violently crushed, but also cute, cute, um, by police, and 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 she's the one who writes about it for the French Dispatch, and they have yeah. sex at some point, and I couldn't, yeah. Am I am I right in remembering Lea Seydoux is the uh, one of the two leads from Swimming Pool, a movie we've agreed on before that we like? You know, is she in that? I, the girl the. Well, there's Charlotte Rampling is the older woman, and then right. the younger woman is not her, but is oh, she? It's not, it's, it's not Leia Seydoux. I thought it might be, no. but I'm I'm, no. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm wrong all the time, although not much on this quiz. Um, Leia Seydoux is, uh, is one of the women in one of my favorite movies. Um, uh, orange, uh, orange is the warmest color. Um, blue is the warmest color, which is my, maybe a movie that you have not seen. It is a movie I have not seen. Uh, I, I was convinced that I would feel mostly embarrassed and icky if I saw it, so I have not. But I know you really like it, so maybe I'll check it out at some point. I don't. I don't think. I don't think you would like it. But you know what? I don't know. I I may be wrong. I I seriously doubt it. In fact, I would stake my life on it, but I could be wrong. And then either way, I win. Okay. Um, number six. There are three segments in this film. One is about an artist in jail having sex with his hot jailer. Um, another one is about a student uprising that's ultimately uh, quaint and adorable and violently quashed by law enforcement. And one about, um, and I'm quoting the the um, New York Magazine review here because I just didn't want to try to explain it. It's about a reporter rep uh, doing a story um, he's meant to go on a trip to sample, quote, police cuisine, a, a haute cooking style shaped by the needs of cops and perfected by the great chef, Lieutenant Nescafier. Um, and then the when he's covering this, he ends up having a front row seat to the police commissioner's son being kidnapped. Okay, so those are the three stories. And they all feature police and portray them in a whimsical manner. Now, this is not my question, but I stole this question from a good friend of yours and a recent acquaintance of mine who I spoke to the morning after I saw this movie who asked me, um, and now I'm asking you, what percentage of 
wide or semi-wide release films like i'm including indie films but i'm i mean maybe not including you know like a five minute student film or whatever but what what percentage of films that you could generally go see in theaters are merely made to uphold the legitimacy of the police state ah uh, that's a good question that i want to thank you for and thank also jeffrey gilbert for uh passing along I'm going to go with a bold answer uh, because, you know, uh, fortune favors the, the brave uh, or some whatever. I, I forget what that fortune favors the bold, fortune favors the brave, fortune favors the people who say 100%. I'm going to go with 100% on this one. And I'm going to try and justify my answer. And I won't take too long about it because no one likes a soapbox. Now, obviously, there's a lot of movies that are super sympathetic to cops and that, and that, uh, make one angry. I think the particular one you've described, which of course I haven't seen, but is, is clearly terrible because it sort of renders it all as like hijinks, um, which like, you know, the, the this, this sort of international order of thugs and killers treated as hijinks. Like obviously that's demoralizing. Um, the Spike Lee idea, of course, from, from his Oscar winning screenplay that, you know, you just have to get the rid of the bad cops and the good cops are going to take care of racism. That also seems terrible. So those are specific examples. And then we get stuck in this question where we go like, well, is it 16%, 41% uh, in response to the, the, the question that you've raised. But you know, here's the thing. You go to see a movie at the Mark de Beauberg and you pay, I don't know how much you pay, but I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess you paid uh, 11 euros to get into that movie. Um, and that money, you know, gets distributed in various ways, but inevitably it upholds the police state, right? Like it, the idea that you have to give someone a chunk of money so that you can sit in a room and watch a piece of art that someone else made, that's just police shit, man. That's, that's just like, that's the order that the police exist to preserve, to make sure that private property pays private property and you, Sarah Miller, have to pay money to get access to it. Um, the police exist in their entirety to make sure that relationship remains in place and in no way varies. And so I think it's legit to argue it's kind of bullshit and it's kind of legit. Welcome to political theory. I think it's legit to argue that every time you pay money for a, like a private property exchange like that, even though you often do it because you have essentially no choice, you're legitimating the police state. So I'm gonna go 100%, thank you very much. Still nailing this quiz. Thank you. Um, I believe that, uh, I believe that uh, Jeffrey <clears throat> also said, I think it might be 100%, but he said it in a Scottish accent and it sounded really cool. I know I'm never going to sound as cute saying anything as Jeffrey Gilbert does. It sounded that. really, it sounded really cute. It sounded. I live, I live with that pain, but I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get through. Yeah, and uh, he kind of said it with a, a, like a little bit of a smile on his face. Not that he was happy about it, but just that he wasn't going to like. It was bad, but it was also true, you know. Okay, number seven. This film. The French Dispatch was supposed to come out in June 2020, a few weeks after the George Floyd uprising and uh, sort of the, the initial one and then the ongoing uprisings that were going uh, on in, in other cities and around the world. Now, I'm not going to say that no one has reacted to the police 
loving nature of this movie, but I haven't seen like a widespread disgust with it. So I'm a, like, a, yeah, so I just want to say I, ha I haven't seen that it may exist. I did Google around for it. I didn't really see anything. Uh, do you think that if this movie had come out in June 2020, that hearing what the film is about and not having seen it, do you think that it may have been a bigger topic of discussion and it might have been something that more people would have would have would have been less obscured by the quaint nature of the film like i i've 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 talked to people who have seen this film who are i wouldn't say they're like a cab but they're like they're like they're a cab leaning and i don't know that they were i think that the police thing is very sort of effectively um camouflaged which i'm not sure would have happened then in any way i'd, I'd and i'd like you to uh, answer that question whether or not you know you think that would have made a difference a year ago yeah this is a nice question i appreciate you saving it for for the end uh, i don't think it's a question anyone can be right or wrong about uh, so so I'll, I'll accept that i've done as well as i could do on the quiz and given it my all and i'll just sort of speculate now uh, and I'll say maybe a couple of different things if that if that's okay and go a couple of different directions because I think it's an interesting question that, that raises a lot of issues for me. Uh, one thing I will say is I think that if it had come out at the time during the ongoing uprising, the it's not that people would have said, oh man, fuck the police, fuck this movie. It's that they would have understood how incredibly trivial it is as a human activity. There was this extremely non-trivial, historically significant uprising uh, that began in Minneapolis and then happened all over. I mean, historically significant, the way we remember things from the 18th century. And, and you know, there would have been some shitty, artsy, whimsical movie about the cops and people would have paid no attention. They would have said, this does not matter in the scheme of things. It means nothing. And that's the one thing that Hollywood and Wes Anderson and everyone around that film can't have. It's not that they're terrified to be like called out as, as pro-cop. They're terrified to be recognized as utterly trivial uh, um, and even trivial in the realm of art. Uh, and so that's what they were avoiding. And that's, I think, what would have been the appropriate response is, is just to note, to note that this movie is, doesn't even qualify as a pimple on the ass of social experience. Uh, and, and so that's what they game. But there's a couple other things worth saying about it, right? One is that Wes Anderson has done a nice job of directing the ire that he receives um, and the snark and the criticism in these particular ways, people are like, well, he wants to be Jean-Luc Godard, but he's no Godard or like whatever, right? Well, the question of why he's no Godard doesn't come up. People are just like, he's not as good. He's, he's an imitator, he's an American, he's whatever. He can't find his own style. Well, the Godard, I mean, Godard was ACAB. Let's be honest, like Godard was a Maoist. Godard is still a Maoist. He's 174 years old and the dude is still a Maoist. Uh, and, you know, uh, Wes Anderson's politics are, again, a pimple on the ass of politics. And uh, so I think it's worth just noting that in general, that Wes Anderson has avoided having this notice about his entire career. It's not that he's uh, 
a, a sort of an unoriginal, repetitive dullard. It's that he has terrible politics. The last thing I want to know is about an actor you didn't mention. In, who's in the movie, but who, who didn't come up in your little uh, the foursome story, uh, who's Jeffrey Wright. But Jeffrey Wright's in this movie, and Jeffrey Wright is an actor who I've enjoyed several times. I think Jeff, Jeff Wright's a good actor. Uh, he's not always in good movies. I think this is an example. But he's a good actor. I've always enjoyed him. But you know, it's worth saying, Jeffrey Wright owns a gold mine in Sierra Leone that <laughs> radically exploits local laborers who work in that gold mine. Jeffrey Wright owns that shit, right? That's the politics of this movie. It's like Jeffrey Wright is cruising around being an actor who also happens to own a gold mine in Sierra Leone. And so it's not just the George Floyd uprising, right? It's the, uh, um, it's the people working in the mining industry in Africa and their role in the world. Yeah. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright, the person owns a gold mine in Sierra Leone? Jeffrey Wright, the human being who acts okay. in movies, also owns a gold mine in Sierra. Okay, Leone. I was like, is I thought you were, I, I thought that's what you were saying, but I was just making sure you weren't referring to a character of his. I, I that is, um, uh, that is truly unbelievable. I did, I did not know that. I'm here to bring you straight facts. And so, when we think about the politics of this movie, yes, we want to think about the cops. Yes, we want to think about the timing. Yes, we want to think about Wes Anderson's tawdry sense of the world. But it's also worth no, no, noting that, like, you know, one of the actors in the movie owns a gold mine in Sierra Leone. Well, Joshua, you did really, really well on this quiz. I think you got um, what I don't, I guess I would probably give you uh, like a, did you just miss one question? I definitely missed question three, I think, which was, or was it, was it two or three? The question about, about your, oh, your yeah. experience and waiting in line. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think that you got like an A minus. I mean, I know we didn't grade me last time, but I just I just think it's interesting because I, I think that you maybe by missing that question, you would have gotten a B plus. But then I think you maybe since question seven was like an essay question, I think you really crushed that. So I'm going to give you an A minus. I appreciate that's generous. I mean, technically, right, I got six out of seven, which is an 85.7 percent or a straight B. Hmm. But uh, you're being generous because I, I did go off on the essay question and and uh, you maybe give me a little extra credit, a little gold star. And you're you're a generous person. I'll take it. Yeah, um, I think you should. Well, that's all for tonight. Um, at tonight slash today, I would just like to say um, greetings from the mall in the mountains, where I'm currently staying, and. <laughs> Being from the California coast where I currently reside. And um, we will uh, we will reconvene in a, a few weeks um, with a movie that we have bo probably both not seen. Now, here's a part where I want to suggest an innovation. And of course, you're free to naysay it. But I also want to encourage our listeners at home. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please remember to hit like and subscribe. Yeah. Uh, but if you see movies on the horizon that you would like to have us not yeah. see, we are ready to not see movies on your behalf. Let us know. Yes, I would love to hear from our listeners. Um, and well, we definitely have we have a listener, <laughs> uh, Rex, Roxanne. Um, <laughs> she's our biggest fan. Shout out to Roxanne. Well, and Roxanne's also, Roxanne's also a professor of French culture, so I think she's going to be really dialed into this. Oh. I'm so excited for her to get to listen to this. <laughs> Thank you to the 
people that make this podcast possible. Erica Hallman, our editor, Chuck Lindo, the music person, Rebecca Ackerman, the graphics person. Thank you again to my co-host, Joshua Clover, for not seeing this movie that I saw. And I'd also like to thank myself for seeing it because I, I really took a hit. But I had a really nice glass of Bordeaux afterward. The and next that, time we do a podcast, I'm going to tell you a slightly involved story about having a glass of wine at a movie in Amsterdam. And it may be so long that we'll have to cut it out before the podcast, but it's a pretty good story. I'm saving it for next time. Just a little bit of a, a teaser there. I can't wait. Didn't see it, don't need to. Remember, just because they make movies doesn't mean you have to see them. Didn't see it, don't need to. Didn't see it, don't need to. Didn't, 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 didn't see it.